So we started last week this uh, series called Both And, uh, Being a Balanced Radical. And, uh, and just to, to bring us up to speed for those who weren't there, uh, what we really did was we looked at a lot of the tension that there is in the church in North America, uh, tension between uh, charismatic and evangelical, uh, tension between those who really believe that pursuing social justice is the way to advance the kingdom and those who really believe in evangelism and tension between those who really believe in the word and those who really believe in following the spirit and tension uh, between all of these sort of different groups in, in, in the Christian community in North America and really in, all around the world, there's, there's this kind of tension there. And, uh, and what we really said last week was that, you know, what, what we really believe on, on most of those sort of polarizing issues where you see sniping back and forth in blogs and articles and Twitter and Facebook, all these sort of people arguing on each other's walls, about those different things is that uh, the truth that God's calling us to, what God's calling us to be as, as a community, in particular us as OVV, and I think really it's something he's calling the whole church together to, is to, to not be um, either or Christians on a lot of these issues. We're so tempted by, by, by joining uh, an activist side of one of these things or another. Or when somebody shouts out, we want to shout them down. We, we have a tendency to constantly be fighting to kind of bring, uh, bring our own perspective in. And, and on these issues, as we're going to look at them and, and talk about them in the scriptures, uh, right from the very beginning on a lot of them, the scriptures uh, are, are not either or on the issues. They're both and. And so it's really, really important for us to learn how to hold those things in, in balance. One of the best books on this, uh, and I say that not having completely read it, so I'm always a little hesitant to, uh, to do a book recommendation on something I haven't read thoroughly, but is this wonderful book, at least what I've read so far, by Rich Nathan with uh, Insu Kim. Rich Nathan is a pastor of a large vineyard church in the States. Uh, wonderful, wonderful guy. I've met Rich and had a little bit of time with him, but but wonderful, wonderful uh, man of God. And, and he's writing most of this from uh, an American perspective around American issues. But there's a lot of this principle that applies to us as Canadians in terms of Canadian issues, in terms of what we struggle with and who we're trying to find out uh, who, what God's calling us to be as a community together. So, so that's just, a, I just wanted to do another little plug for that book. And so see these over the course of the uh, series, these are some of the areas of tension that we're, that we're going to look at. Evangelical, charismatic, social justice versus proclamation, endurance and suffering versus blessing and healing, grace and acceptance versus personal holiness, word versus spirit, uh, orthodox belief versus relevant practice. Uh, we, we don't believe in the either or. I, I, don't, I don't believe in the either or on most of these. Uh, I believe in both and. And that, that that's a balanced place to be. And then, and then on most of those issues, that balanced place to be is actually the, the radical place to be. But before I launch into a discussion uh, today on this sort of evangelical charismatic tension, I want to talk a little bit just briefly about what I don't mean when I say balance. Because balance can sound really, really good. Or, or there's a way in which balance can be, can be bad. Right? And, and so I want to just talk about that. When, when I say balance and achieving balance, I, I don't mean neither nor. There's, there's a way in which on, on these issues, on these questions, 
uh, say, around being an evangelical or being a charismatic. There's a way we can throw out the baby with the bathwater and, and, and not look at any of either of these movements and just, and just sort of thrust them away and say, that's not important, that's not me, I'm not going to think about it, I'm not going to engage with that, I'm not going to deal with it. Uh, we don't want to be uh, either or. And, and that's sort of talking about a big picture, but talking about it as, as, as a person, as, as an individual, uh, there's a great risk in that, and, and that's that we would uh, love each other really tentatively and shallowly on these issues, that uh, we, we're, we're sort of constantly avoiding one another, constantly avoiding bumping into other Christians, avoiding discussion, avoiding conversation, avoiding some of the mystery. And, and I don't want us to be people who avoid those things either in order to keep balance and to keep peace. Uh, I want us to be people who are engaged, so people who are uh, in the mix on, on all of these things, on social justice and evangelism and all of that. I don't want to, us to avoid that in any way. And, and when I say balance, I, I don't mean living small. Uh, you know, that's, and I think, I think for us as, as OVV, I think that's uh, maybe one of the greatest risks. Uh, me as a pastor, being a pastor and what I am, I, you know, I like to gather the sheep and, and get us all together and get us all really peaceful and, and happy and just like, just so nice and happy. It's just, you know, and, and, and I love that. I love the... I love the peace in, in our community, but uh, sometimes in, in creating that, pre- that, that peace, I, I think I might force us to live a little bit too small on some of these issues so that, yeah, I might engage in, in social justice, but I'm not going to really celebrate it and really go after it and really call people to it because uh, I really want people to... Uh, n- not be frustrated who are really after the other side or or if it's around uh, the the charismatic thing or if it's around the gifts of the spirit thing or any of that stuff there'll be people like man I really just don't want to really fully uh, receive all that God has for me there because I don't I don't want it to I don't want it to rock the boat right and so uh, what I'm what I'm not calling us though to is to that small life I'm calling us to be uh, a bigger life a both end life where we're really stretching ourselves on the opposite side of some of these questions and some of these issues where we find ourselves uncomfortable. I want our, our weight spread to the, the outside of the teeter-totter a little bit uh, and to, to live in the risk of that. So, so I don't mean us living small. And what I don't mean is, is pluralism when I say balance. Uh, there's a way in which we could all just pick our spot on the continuum on these issues and say, that's me, that's who I am, that's where my identity is, I'm sticking there, and somebody else, they'll be over there on that issue, and they'll be stuck right there, and that's where they are. And eventually, if there's enough of us on the teeter-totter, it should kind of balance out. Uh, I, I don't want us to live lives like that. I want us to live lives that we're constantly stretching ourselves on all of these things, allowing God to kind of invade us, allowing God to kind of set the tone for us, uh, allowing God to... Uh, cause us to work in cooperation uh, with one another. Uh, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I, I want us to sort of live that way and stretch ourselves. In our society, the, where, where the whole tone of everything is, is just this huge pluralistic environment where everything's okay for you, and, and that's great, but, but I'm going to do a different thing. I'm going to do it my way. Uh, there's a way in which that's sort of free, but there's, there's a way in which it's just it's not really healthy in the church either, right? Uh, we're not meant in the church to be completely self-contained individuals. We're meant to be connected to one another. 
So again, this is what we're, we're dreaming about. This is the dream that I'm, that I'm putting out there for us, this dream of being, in this case, and, and, and today over the next two weeks, actually, we're going to talk about this balance between charismatic and, and evangelical. And before I launch into that, just to define the, the terms a little bit, what we're going to talk about charismatic a little bit more today. When we talk about evangelical community, we're really talking about, uh, at, at its very core, people who really believe that Jesus wants to be their Lord and Savior, that he died on the cross for their sins. And, and at the very beginning of the evangelical movement, and that started not in America, it started really uh, grew uh, out of Europe before it really sort of made it across the pond. But this, this real heart for evangelism and heart for mission and heart for outreach, uh, at, at its core, that's really what it is. And, and we don't want to confuse it with a lot of the other things that we think of when we hear the word evangelical, because isn't evangelical a kind of a dirty word today, right? And so myself, I'm sort of asking myself the question, like, can we... Uh, can we re- redefine that term? Can we reclaim that term? Or, or even in our society, there's maybe it just needs to be abandoned because there's so much baggage attached with it. But um, we're gonna we're gonna tackle that uh, evangelical sort of side of the question a little bit uh, next week. But uh, this week we're gonna we're gonna talk about the charismatic, which is sort of defined as as those who really believe that the Holy Spirit wants to have an intimate relationship with you and empower you through giving His gifts and the release of his power to fulfill his, his mission in the world. And so on these issues, I, I think the very best of evangelicalism, yes, and the very best of the charismatic world, absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. And so we're going to talk about that. Uh, first, uh, I hate to define this as what we're not, but I want to just sort of just say a couple of things about the, uh, the charismatic movement. Being a charismatic is not about a strange religious subculture. And these, I don't know if you can see from the screen what their, what their shirts are saying. It says Holy Rollers there. Um, uh, there's, there's so much sort of baggage attached to what it is to be a charismatic that, uh, that uh, in terms of what it sort of looks like and what it, what it sort of appears like in terms of how it's represented in media and all that sort of stuff, that, that, that it, it can be confusing. When you think charismatic, you think some cuckoo stuff, right? Right? But, but what we're talking about here is we're talking about the very best of, of charismatic people who are, who are wanting to authentically uh, engage with their culture, which is what we're trying to do as a church, authentically engage with our culture um, without being a weird, too weird a subculture for people to, to connect with. The Christian worldview, just on its own, this understanding that there's a creator in the universe and he has something to say about how we live our lives, that's a huge enough worldview shift already for people to take without us just being culturally really, really different. So we want to just be ourselves in culture, and, but, but let the, the true differences of what Christianity creates in us be the things that make us uh, different. So we want Jesus, Jesus culture, I hate to tag a brand, but uh, <laughs> we want really to have Jesus' culture and not a, a, a subculture of the church. So that's just an important thought for us. Uh, being charismatic is not a guarantee of health or financial prosperity. Um, now, as I say that, I say that really carefully because I, I, I actually, I, I don't want to say that you can find an, a direct correlation between your relationship with God or your amount of faith and God uh, blessing you. But I, but I do know that, that if you have a relationship with God, 
uh, to a certain degree, everything is better. Do you agree with that? And we see that all over the scriptures, and we live and and we live in that. So, so Christians who follow God's principles and trust in Jesus to lead them and guide them, absolutely, I think our lives should be better. But what we need, and we'll talk about this more on the evangelical side as well, is we absolutely have to have a theology that understands the mystery, right? Because it's not always better. So we have, and we, have, we see that in the, in the scriptures, right? We see, uh, you know, Peter, you know, Peter uh, uh, escaping from prison. Jesus has like dynamically, dramatically, people prayed and released Peter from prison. And then Peter lives a life of, having, of being persecuted, <laughs> right? God didn't protect him from all of that. And God doesn't protect us from all of that. So there's a way in which we just have to leave room in our theology for the mystery of 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 why bad, bad things happen. And we'll talk about that in, in, in the future. Uh, but, but the sort of health and wealth and prosperity gospel uh, that, that's out there, the really, really crazy end of it where, you know, the, the, the whole Creflo A dollar scandal with, you know, needing the, the bigger Learjet and, or the Airbus or whatever it was and all that, all that sort of stuff. We want to decouple ourselves a little bit from that and, and, and live in the, in, in the true meaning of what it is to be a, a charismatic Christian and all the wonderful blessing and grace that comes with that. Uh, and, and just three, being charismatic is not what you've seen on the internet. <laughs> It, it's just not what you've seen on the internet. Uh, char- charismatic Christians are, are folks, well, I'm a charismatic Christian. I'm a charismatic Christian. And I mean, I do, I probably look a little like that when I sing. I don't know for sure, <laughs> to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> just a little bit, yeah. But, uh, you know, there's, there's wild stuff out there, but most charismatic Christians are, are really salt of the earth, down-to-earth people who pray for their friends and, and see healings and miracles happens and God speaks to them and leads them. Uh, charismatic Christians are, are people who are just all over the world just filled with grace. So just to come back to uh, this definition, being charismatic is the belief that God in his love, and, and I really want to emphasize that, love and grace. The word charismata actually means gifts, but, it, but the word is very closely tied to grace, the graces of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are the graces of the Holy Spirit, the absolutely free gift of God. Absolutely free gift of God. Those gifts are gifts that flow from the throne just, just freely, just a gift for us. We can't do anything to earn them. It's all, it's all about grace. It's all about grace. And so we say believers want, want to experience intimate relationship with this Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, and we talked about this in the Holy Spirit series uh, before, is not just like the weird uncle in, of the Trinity that you hope doesn't show up at the party too much. Right? <laughs> he, he's part of the family. He's part of the Trinity. Uh, the three in one. He's there. He's at the very center. And we see him at the very beginning. We see him in Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 2. And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Right? The Holy Spirit's there, and he's there at the very end. The Holy Spirit is a welcome part of our family. Uh, for, for believers to be empowered and to carry out his mission by receiving spiritual gifts, we, we believe that we, we could tell the gospel and we can speak about it, but we need God's power to help us demonstrate it. We need to be empowered. We need to seek him for that. And so, so it's absolutely critical. I'm going to put a couple of numbers up here uh, for you on the screen. Uh, 600 million. 
600 million. Uh, David Barrett was a miss mission researcher. He passed away in, in 2011, but he started uh, two organizations, one called the World Christian Encyclopedia and one called the World Christian Database. And, and these are just uh, really first ever repositories of, of statistical data on Christianity around the world. Uh, he, he, he picked up as much data as he could from 9,000 Christian denominations, which isn't our proudest uh, moment that we have 9,000 Christian denominations. But, but, he, but he collected data from, from all of these uh, from 13,000 ethno-linguistic peoples around the world. He got the data on Christianity and all of these groups around the world with real heart to reaching every people group. Uh, data on 5,000 cities, 3,000 provinces, 300, or 239 countries. And it's been just a huge, huge, like a vital thing for missions organizations. Just incredibly important uh, information. Uh, David Garrison of the Southern Baptist International Mission Board said, more than any other man, David Barrett, showed us what the whole world looked like through the lens of the Great Commission. He showed us how God viewed the world and particularly the unfinished task that's before us. So that number, 600 million, is the number of all Christians uh, who identify with Christianity in the world. Of all the Christians who identify, uh, 600 million would call themselves Pentecostals, Charismatic, or some form of empowered evangelical. 600 million. And you've got to remember the Pentecostal movement is where these groups sort of uh, saw their beginning. Uh, that, that movement started only 110 years ago. So in 110 years from the Pentecostal movement, we're going to talk about where that began in, in Azusa Street in, in, in L.A. Uh, in, in 1906. Uh, from that moment, 30% uh, now of, of the world's Christians would call themselves Pentecostal, charismatic, or, or spirit-filled believers in some way. It is, without a doubt, the fastest growing uh, movement on the planet. It is growing faster, well, faster than the human population birth rate. It is growing faster uh, than, than Islam. It is growing faster than any other Christian group. Uh, Christians in South America, Asia, Africa, everywhere in the world, the church is exploding. And that, as you can tell, isn't uh, the northern hemisphere. <laughs> it's not Europe. It's not Canada. It's not North America. But everywhere in the world where the church is exploding, it's exploding uh, through uh, the life of, of uh, spirit-filled believers, people who would identify with Pentecostalism, the charismatic. And so if you want to, even just based on the statistics, if you want to pick the winning team, you know, your Super Bowl pick or whatever it is, <laughs> right? That's the team to pick. That's the team to pick. That's where the life is. That's where it's happening. It's, it's absolutely, absolutely phenomenal uh, what's going on. And, and, and again, what it's about is everyday believers, everyday believers healing the sick and, and, and empowered to share God's word. So here's how we, we see it in the scriptures, though. Let me, let me read this to you from Luke uh, chapter 4. And this is uh, the, the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Uh, the very beginning, he's sort of introducing himself to the world, and he's up in Galilee, and he goes into the synagogue, and he goes up uh, in, in, on the stage. I don't know if they had stages, and he grabs the mic. I don't think they had mics. And he opened his Bible. Well, they didn't have Bibles. They had a scroll, but uh, 
he, he took the scroll and it was, it was very prescribed, the order in which they read through the scriptures, but he, it was this, this point in their year to read this scripture. Uh, and, and here's what he read. He read, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Uh, dot, 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 uh, on to verse 21. Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And it stopped the show and he wanted, they wanted to kill him. <laughs> it stopped the show and they wanted to kill him. But uh, that uh, heart and that understanding, the spirit of the Lord is, is on him. That, that's a really important theological understanding for us about who Jesus and how he operated. We, were, we look ahead to Philippians and, and Paul's understanding of, of Jesus and who he was. And it says, although he existed, this Philippians 2, 6, and 7, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man, he, he emptied himself of his power. So every miracle that Jesus did, he didn't do it uh, from the power that was inherent to him as God-man. He, he did it through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we see in Jesus the operation of the Trinity. We see the power of the Holy Spirit operating through Jesus. And I could show you this a number of different places in the scriptures that Jesus, uh, even when we talked about this in baptism uh, yesterday, uh, the Holy Spirit landed on Jesus when, when he was baptized, right? So, so Jesus uh, was working in concert with the Father. He says, I, he says, I listen to the Father to see what the Father's doing. I'm just doing what I see the Father's doing. And it's really clear from the scriptures that he's doing it uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of Jesus didn't happen without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So how can we expect ours to? But we do it all the time without inviting our, uh, Jesus to empower us, right? We need, we need him to fill us. We need to be, be empowered. Uh, I'm going to show this to you in Acts chapter 2. And this scripture comes from uh, the, this, this incredible moment in the life of the church when the Holy Spirit had been poured out at Pentecost. It had been poured out on the, on the believers in the upper room and they went out and, and Peter preached this phenomenal sermon. And, and embedded in this uh, sermon, trying to help people understand what was happening, why they were all hearing the gospel proclaimed in their own languages and why people were filled up with the Spirit and acting a little bit strangely to everybody else. Uh, he quotes Joel chapter 2, verses 2 to 4, as he does that. He says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Acts chapter 2, uh, 17 and 18. And if you want to ask yourself why everywhere around the world, why uh, everywhere the Holy Spirit is pouring himself out and equipping believers to do the work of the kingdom, if you want to know why that's happening and why that works there, uh, that, that's something we see around the world. It's something that's embedded uh, in this text is that uh, first he says he'll pour out his spirit on all people. We see in that piece in Acts, uh, we see uh, people from every part of the world uh, receiving the Spirit. We 
you see it, it just going around the world. And that was every race that was in Jerusalem at that time. It was poured out. And, and I told you I'd talk with you a little bit about um, the, the Pentecostal movement and the birth of it. Uh, in 1906, I don't know what you guys know about Pentecostalism, but in 1906 in America, it was the peak year of lynchings and murders of black people by white people in the United States. Over, over a thousand uh, black men were either lynched or hung or shot or buried alive in the year 1906. A dark, dark time for racial division in the United States. Brutally dark time. And in 1906, the Holy Spirit poured himself out on a man uh, named William Seymour, who was a black pastor near Los Angeles. And when the Holy Spirit poured himself out on, on, on William Seymour and the people he was praying with, uh, he moved into Los Angeles and began to gather people. Uh, they gathered on a street called the Azusa, Azusa Street in a, in a small building. And a community of believers led by him began to pray and began to invite the world to come and pray with him. And people came from all over the world. Uh, people came on carts and people came on trains and people came on boats from across the ocean. They wanted to be there. It was something that gathered world wide attention uh, through uh, wh whatever pace uh, the media operated at that time. I'm pretty sure it wasn't tweeted out and there was a hashtag Azusa Street. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's not, uh, not how it worked, but, but people got the word, people got the idea and they came. And what, what uh, William Seymour said was this, and this is just one of the most beautiful, powerful uh, lines. Uh, this black pastor uh, said this. He says, the color line has been washed away by the blood. Asians, Hispanics, Jews, Arabs, everybody was there ministering together, filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everywhere the Spirit is moving around the world now, the color line disappears. The Holy Spirit is empowering everybody. Uh, it's not sexist. Everywhere in the world where Pentecostal and, and charismatic uh, Churches are, are exploding. Uh, we, we think about this. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Uh, down in verse 18, I will pour out my, even on my servants, both men and women. Uh, the Holy Spirit is poured out on, on men and women. In the unregistered church in China, which is, is just growing absolutely phenomenally, uh, the best research tells us that two-thirds of the pastors are females. Two-thirds of lead pastors in this church that's growing at a phenomenal rate are, are females in China and in other parts of Asia. It's, it, it's phenomenal. And everywhere the Spirit goes, He empowers men and He empowers women. If you want to know why the church is exploding when the Spirit pours Himself out, it's because He empowers everybody. Uh, not ageist. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Uh, everywhere the Spirit's pouring, it being poured out, uh, discipleship involves a natural, organic, transgenerational ministry where the wisdom and experience and maturity of the old is welcomed and embraced and appreciated by the young. And the young are seen as the future of these movements and, and are absolutely poured into and invested into and raised up at, at really early ages as leaders. Some of these women chief, chief, uh, pastors in China are not yet 20 years old. And they're leading congregations of 100, 200, 300. 
18-year-old female in China, in communist China, leading churches that are just growing leaps and bounds because wherever the Holy Spirit pours himself out on, he, he is not a respecter of persons. He is not a respecter of those divisions. Uh, he's not elitist. Even on my servants, and this is something we see in the language there, even on my servants, what that language uh, really means is even on owned servants, even on slaves, even on slaves I will pour out my spirit, men and women slaves in those days. And we see all kinds of stories about this in the life of the early church. We see this incredible uh, thing where you would have uh, in a home, you would have a, a young person who is a slave in the home give their life to Christ. And you would see the church grow around them in that home. And, and, and you would see eventually that maybe the master in that home would, would come and give their life to Jesus. And then all of a sudden, the servant or the slave is the pastor of the master. And that was commonplace in the early church. Commonplace. There is no elitism. Uh, the Lord is not pouring himself just out on the educated. He's not pouring himself just out on the rich. He's not pouring himself just out on business leaders. He wants to pour himself out on the whole community. The, these lines uh, disappear. So when the Holy Spirit comes to empower his church, he doesn't just come to empower the dominant cultural group in the mix, not just to empower men, not empower the young, not just to empower the educated and elite. He comes to empower his whole church. He comes to empower his whole church. He wants to empower our whole church. He wants to empower our whole church. And so if we as evangelical Orthodox Christians want to be fully Christian, if we want to be all that we can be as Christians, uh, uh, in this part of the world where uh, every measure tells us that the church is absolutely in decline, we absolutely must embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, the division is, is incredibly petty. The tension that's there uh, between evangelicals and charismatics in, in the church right now. Uh, when I first, and I just want to tell a little bit about my, my experience, when I first experienced the Holy Spirit, when I first experienced the Lord uh, as somebody who could speak to me, who could empower me, I was a 16-year-old young man in my room, and, and God spoke to me as a young Baptist, and all of a sudden I realized that, that uh, he was a radically different God than I had imagined, that he was a God who was not just God in the Bible, but God in my room. He he spoke to me, and, and in a vacuum of really anybody who, with a charismatic background to teach me, I just began to read the scriptures. And I would read, and, and I would read something like, uh, and Paul saying, I wish I spoke, uh, or said, I speak in tongues more than all of you, you know. And I'd say like, oh man, if that's, if that's real, I, I want that gift. And so the Lord gave me the gift of tongues with no you know, really at that point charismatic people in, in my life to explain what this was about. But this was an understanding that came out of the scriptures, an understanding of, of the Lord pouring himself out on me and, and transforming me. But but what I when I experienced that and I began to look around and I began to ask questions, I began to notice this incredible tension in the church over these these issues. In the charismatic church I would hear jokes about the Baptist church and and, and in the Baptist church I would hear jokes about the charismatic church. I remembered some of the jokes actually I tried to write them down. In the charismatic church, uh, I heard this joke, uh, how many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? 
How many Baptists take to change light bulb? Around 15, one to change it, three committees to approve the change, and some to make potato salad. <laughs> or how many evangelicals does it take to change a light bulb? Change? What's change? <laughs> but in the Baptist church, I heard jokes about the charismatic uh, community as well. How many charismatics does it take to change the light bulb? Ten, one to take it out, uh, one to put the new one in, and eight to pray against the spirit of darkness in between. <laughs> or, or, or I heard this one, how many Christians does it, or how many charismatics does it take to change the light bulb? Three, one to cast it out, and two to catch it when it falls. <laughs> you know, so, so it's just subtle humor, and, but I get to tell these jokes as being hopefully someone who's fully both fully evangelical and, and fully uh, charismatic. Uh, there's some really harsh stuff going on out there, even still against charismatics. Uh, some strong evangelical leaders, a guy named John MacArthur, uh, we used to have to really always talk about this guy who was always writing nasty stuff, a guy named Hank Hanegraaff. Uh, but what I wanted to do is just read you a little piece from uh, an evangelical uh, scholar who isn't actually somebody who would identify as a charismatic uh, speaking in defense of, of charismatics, and that's John Piper. I don't usually follow him, but this uh, came to my attention. Um, and and P J Piper was, uh, was somebody who spoke at, the strange, at one of these strange fire conferences. He'd been invited to go. This says they characterized him as open to the gifts, but not advocating for them or encouraging others to pursue the gifts themselves. So he's positioned as this evangelical person who's not really in the charismatic camp. But what he said was he said, this is a misunderstanding. I advocate obedience to 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 31. Earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I advocate obedience to 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. And I advocate obedience to 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forget bid speaking in tongues. I want Christians today to obey those texts. And that's coming from a non-charismatic who, who's just exploring that world. A uh, really, really important, uh, really important piece. Uh, Billy Graham said this in 1946, uh, sometime after uh, the Pentecostal movement had, had begun to move in, in, the, uh, in the United States, uh, you know, some 45 years, um, and uh, before the, the charismatic movement, we haven't really talked about charismatic movement historically. He says this is, everywhere I go in 1946, I find that God's people lack something. They are hungry for something. Their Christian experience is not all that they have expected, and they often have recurring defeat in their lives. Christians today are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. They most desperate need of the nation today, the most desperate need of the nation today is that men and women who profess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's Billy Graham. The most desperate need of today. And so that's where we are. We are an evangelical church who is a, also a, a charismatic church. And we're going to talk about the evangelical side a little bit more next week. Um, 
we believe that Jesus' story is real. We believe that Jesus' story happened. We believe that Jesus' story must be shared, that the only thing that can possibly make a difference in this world that is so desperately needy uh, is that Jesus would know more and more people and that he would let them transform their lives. That's the only way to end greed. That's the only way to end corruption. That's the only way to end uh, brokenness. We as evangelical believers need that, believe that. We also believe that in order to share that message and advance God's kingdom, we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. And so the question is here for, for us, for, for you guys as believers. Some of you may be at different parts on on that conti- continuum. Some may, of you may be standing uh, on the uh, evangelical leg, or some of you may be standing on the charismatic leg. And wherever you're standing, uh, I just encourage you to shift your weight a little and stand on both legs. <laughs> that there's a whole part of your life. I mean, when we get to talking about the evangelical side, you know, we're terrible at evangelism. We're so scared. We, don't, we just don't even do it for the most part. As, as Christians in North America, right? But we also need this side of, of being empowered by the Spirit so that our word, so that our message is filled with the reality of God's presence and with transformed lives. We, we absolutely can't be either or Christians on this. We, we have to be both. And so I want to uh, just make an invitation uh, to you. If you're in the place where this whole side of, of following the spirit and all that is is new to you it's different to you it's it's not something you've been comfortable with it's not something that you've uh, been willing to embrace uh, first I want to just challenge you to go to the scriptures on it um, for me again in the vac in a complete vacuum of anybody to teach me this stuff uh, I found that the Holy Spirit wanted to empower me just by reading the Bible looking at the life of Paul, looking at how the church survived uh, in, in the book of Acts and, and how their story went on, looking at the writings of Paul, looking at Peter, First and Second Peter. Uh, the Holy Spirit is absolutely in the middle of it. And so if you have curiosity about the, the Holy Spirit and you're wondering about engaging that part of your life, you, you have to go to the scriptures. And, and two, I would strongly encourage you to, to invite another Christian to pray for you. We see this all over the scriptures that uh, the Holy Spirit is given through the laying on of hands. It's given through the laying on of hands. So we don't know why it works that way. Uh, you know, it seems seems a little bit mysterious to me, but got a little touchy-feely. God seems to be touchy-feely. Uh, but, uh, but I think there's a way in which humans are supposed to be connected to one another. And as we pray, that, that tangible connection makes it uh, makes an experience more real for us. And, and I don't know why it works like that or how it works like that sometime, but, but I encourage you, uh, would you let a Christian who, who is a spirit-filled believer, who is a believer that, that you've seen operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, just pray for them that some of it would be shared with you. Just just have them pray for you. And if you're here this morning and, and that's you, if, you if, you're, if you've got curiosity about that, that aspect of your life, you feel like, let me, let me ask you the, the, this question really clearly this way. If you can say that you feel like the Holy Spirit is not operating as fully in your life as it ought to be or could be, then, then you, should, you should pursue it. And I promise you then we would all have to raise our hands. 
<laughs> right? Right? We all have to raise our hands. So this is something we've got to go after. This is something we've got to continually pursue as a community. Uh, so I'm going to pray for us. Why don't you just all stand? Lord, I need this. I need this. I need more of your spirit. I need more of your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us. Come and empower us. We've lived lives that are, are too small. We've lived lives that are, that are unbalanced, that have been more doctrinal than experiential. We want, we want both, Lord. We want both. Come, Holy Spirit, and move among us. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Come and speak to us. Let us be a prophetic people. Let us be a healing people. Let us be people into whom your grace is poured and people who are pouring it out. Empower us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.